Good morning. I was in jail last week visiting um, a young man who, uh, who had made some poor choices in life. Hi, Emily. And uh, as I was sitting there, some of you uh, oftentimes uh, might uh, go to visit people in jail and love those, those who uh, are incarcerated. And as you show up, uh, into jail, you go down these long hallways, but as you show up into the visiting area, there is, um, there is uh, kind of the, these glass windows, these little booths, and you have a uh, telephone in which you talk back and forth uh, to whoever you're, you're talking with. And as you show up uh, in Ada County, it's kind of a long bank of booths, and then it kind of wraps around and goes over here, and, uh, and then people come in and visit. And so this one day that I showed up last week, uh, I was with the, the young man that I was with, and, and there was one other guy in there who was kind of around the corner over here, but I could see him and, and the gentleman he was talking with. And as we're getting into the conversation, literally, uh, all of a sudden, this, this other uh, guy who was talking to the prisoner was just, just screaming, and uh, had his Bible and was just like, you got to get right with God and you got you to gotta stop doing what you're doing and you have to live this way. You got to give up these things. And literally was, was a Bible thumper. I mean, he was hitting it hard. And the young man that I was with uh, is new in Christ, a young believer. And I was watching the, uh, I was watching the other gentleman uh, as, as this person was bringing the Bible, and every time he would nail a point, I mean, he was, he was flinching. I mean, it was kind of like getting whipped. And you know, I know God uses whoever, and I know there's all kinds of methods, uh, but as I look at the life of Jesus Christ, I just don't see that. And I told the young, young man I was with, I said, you know what? Uh, I go, that's, that's not the way Jesus views you. He's not coming down on you like this for your choices that you made. And what the scripture reminds us this morning in Romans chapter 8 is, again, there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There's none. Zippo, nil, nada. Paul wants to be very clear. That our Lord God, as we have come to know Jesus Christ, he doesn't sit there and just go, stop doing it, what are you doing, and how I can't believe it, and you're just ruining your life, and just, ah! That's not our Jesus. There's no more condemnation. You're a beautiful son or daughter of God in Jesus Christ, because our life is placed in him. Therefore, there is no condemnation. Why? Because as he says earlier in chapter 7, as he says, Oh, but thanks be to God, through his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Thanks be to him, because of Jesus he came, and he died on the cross for my sin. And he indeed rose again. And he has offered us life to those who would believe upon him. Thanks be to God because of that. Thanks be to God because we are dead to sin. 
We are alive in Christ. Thanks be to God because we're dead to the law. We're free in Christ. And what I told this young man that I was visiting with is to say, you know what's, what's wonderful about our Lord and what's, what's wonderful and true of you is the scripture reminds us that we are justified. We are declared not guilty because of our faith in Christ Jesus. Not only declared not guilty, but we, our sin is forgotten. And I said to him, I go, I want you to remember one thing as you, again, he's going to probably, you know, he's got maybe a good five years. And just learning to walk with the Lord. I said, you know what, the judge has pronounced you guilty and you made a, some stupid decisions. And there's consequence for your actions. But honestly, brother, before the Lord, you are declared not guilty. That's who you are in Christ. Yeah, there's consequence for sin and choices we make. But our identity in Christ Jesus, which Paul has really been wanting to get us at, who we are in Christ Jesus, not guilty. And there's no condemnation anymore. You will not be separated from the love of God. When you face God someday, He will not say, sorry you didn't make it. Here's the judgment. You're out. It won't happen. All he sees is Jesus Christ in you and you in Christ. And he just says, welcome. There's no more condemnation. You will not be damned. You will not be separated out to eternal separation from God. That's the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. A Jesus who pursues us. Ever since the fall of man who's been wanting life in us. He wants to give us a new spirit. Listen to Ezekiel uh, 36, starting in verse 26. I will give you a new heart. I will put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone, that which kicked against God and wanted nothing to do with God. And I will give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit in you, And I will move you through my spirit to follow my decrees and to be careful to keep my laws. God from the beginning has been preparing this season, this this life in the age of the spirit we call it. The Holy Spirit has come, Acts chapter 2. Jesus was anticipating and looking forward. I got to leave now. It's going to be better that I go because the spirit's going to come. And what Paul's going to get into here in Romans 8 is we have been freed in Christ. We have life in Him now through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so now let's live it out. Let's live in the Spirit of Christ because of who we are. We're not ones that have to keep kicking ourselves. We're not ones that have to, oh, I'll never measure up. Paul was wrestling last week, going back and forth, back and forth. Oh, I can't get it right. This flesh is always there with me. But thanks be to God, I'm not under control of that. The sin, I'm not enslaved to sin anymore. And there's no condemnation. And, and when, I, when I keep, again, in my mind, keep going, oh, I'm not worthy, what Paul is saying is, listen, remember, there's no condemnation. You've got to remember who you are. And when we know who we are, then we start to live out who we are. Do you understand that? 
And what he wants to remind us, you know, one of the things he's going to say is that we need to set our minds on the things of, of Christ. And at the very end uh, of our chapter today, in verses, uh, in verses 9, I just want to remember this. You go, what is the ultimate, what am I setting my mind on? And he says, listen about who you are, verse 9. You, however, are controlled. You are under the influence of, not the sinful nature, but the Holy Spirit, but the Spirit of God. That's what's true of us. That's what we keep having to set our minds upon. You know who we are? We are ones as followers of Jesus Christ who have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us, and we live out of that. That is who we are, and that is how we live. Yeah, thanks be to God that he died and forgave us. But let's not forget the other side. And he rose again and that resurrection power, Scripture reminds us, dwells within us. So we set our minds on the fact that he is in us. The Spirit is alive and dwelling within us. And therefore, we are alive in Christ. And he says this. He says again at the end here, he says... If anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. But, verse 10, if Christ is in you, and what he's saying is he is, your body is dead because of sin, and your spirit, that which connected, is connected to God, is alive. Your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And that spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is living where? In us. That's our true identity. That's truly what is happening in our spiritual lives right now. And therefore, there's no condemnation. That's the good news of Jesus. And that's what we need to bring to this broken world. You know, in, uh, as I've been watching the political arena, um, you know, we're seeing John McCain uh, often on TV and, and in the debates and this is not an advertisement for John McCain. Um, but he, you know, one, as you learn about his story, uh, he was a prisoner of war uh, five and a half years after v in Vietnam. And uh, he went through uh, all kinds of torture. He was uh, severely wounded uh, when his uh, craft was shot down. And he was uh, taken in as a prisoner of war. And then there was the Paris uh, Peace Accord. And uh, at that time, in 1973, um, they were freed after the meetings in Paris. Can you imagine? Can you imagine even the, the, the ones who came in and, and came into that little camp and, and said, listen, you're free. We've come to take you out. Do you understand? That's what Christ has done for us. We are now free. No longer enslaved to sin. And now that we are free, we're freed up to live in Him. It's not just to come and learn more about our freedom. It's to live it out. Because guess what? The Holy Spirit lives in us. And He loves this world. And He loves you. And so our lives are to reflect that. Our lives are to be living in this world. And it's a reminder that Jesus is life. Remember Jesus says in John 14, 6, he says, 
He says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. There is nobody that can come to the Father except through me. Because I'm the real thing. I'm the only one who offers life. There's, there's no other name by which salvation comes to man. It's Jesus. He's the only one that offers us life. It's not a substitute. It's not a fake deal. You know, there's, there's all these uh, fake sugars that you see out on the countertops these days. Saying, take this, it's, you know, it's a, it'll, it'll meet your needs sweetness-wise for sugar. And they're fake. And they're loaded with all these chemicals that literally kill you, you know? You say, I'm not the fake deal. I'm the real thing. I'm what gives you life. Stop looking for substitute. Doing, doing, living in the law. Living, trying to be obedient. Trying to live out of your own strength. Trying to, to say, well, here's my steps to, to real faith in Christ. The only life you have is life in Jesus. It's only through him and his strength and his power and his resurrection. It's the only life we have. It's the only way we can live. He says, hold on to me. And so he wants us to, to set our minds, because the law couldn't do it. The law can't change my heart. It can't fix my brokenness. It can't wash me from my sin. Because Christ is the only one. He came in the flesh and he took our sin and he met the holy requirements of God. There had to be a a payment. And he did that for us. And so now, because we are free and we have life in Christ, because he rose from the dead, he says, I want you to set your minds now on spiritual things because of who you are in Jesus Christ. Because of what your life is all about. You know, in our our unspiritual minds, uh, the sinful nature does what the flesh desires, the scripture teaches us in Romans 5 through 8. The mind of sinful man is death. It's hostile to God. I'm sure you run into that in, in the friends that you come along, and they're, they're hostile to God. They're, you know, they, they play that out on you, but they're angry at God. They want nothing to do with them. They don't submit to God's law. They don't want to, to give up their own power. They don't want to give up their control, and they do not submit the unspiritual mind, the fleshly mind. And they cannot please God. In the end, when someday we stand before the living God, there will be judgment then. But those who their whole life have said, I want nothing to do with you, when the time comes, the Lord will say, you've wanted nothing to do with me. We are not in right relationship. We are not in, in harmony, we are not united together. Cannot please just means we're not connected. And so there is separation from God forever. That's the mind that is unspiritual. But he says, I want you, as now ones who have been, have been freed and have no more condemnation, I want you to live out and I want you to have your mind, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all of your mind. And so you go, Lord, how do I do that? How do I live this faith out? What is, what is it that you want from me? That we have our minds fixed, focused, set upon. It's, it's a compass that we say, when I go through this day, when I wake up in the morning, I'm going, Lord, I want to know you. I want to understand. I want you to lead me. 
to give me life. And when the mind is focused on, on the Lord, the scripture says that we have life and we are at peace. We are at rest in him. When we think about who we are in Christ, we go, you know what? God is pleased with me. God loves me. I'm in right relationship. He considers me a son. I'm at peace. I have security in my relationship with Jesus that that someday I will forever be with him eternally. Not separated, but with. That brings me great peace. That's a mind, the spiritual mind that's focused on Christ. Let me just give you a few ways I, I was thinking about how we might Focus our mind uh, on Jesus Christ. The first one is, as followers of Christ, that we keep our mind upon developing spiritual character and fruit. Why? Because we desire to live out the life of Christ. That we keep our minds going, Lord, this is who you are, and so I want to, I want to live out your character in my life, and I know it's only through the power of the Holy Spirit. But where my mind is thinking is going, Lord, show me that, and and give me the power through you to live out joy, Galatians 5, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness. That I'm fixated on that as a follower of Christ. That I set my mind on these things. I was uh, in uh, California... um, the reason I got home at 2 this morning is because our, our plane was delayed, the one coming out of Nevada. And, and uh, so it, was, it just got us in really late. And, uh, but I was in California visiting a friend who uh, has been just going through some, some hardship. And, and uh, they, uh, the couple, uh, just real dear to me, they have a child who's severely, severely handicapped. And um, just uh, uh, a couple months ago, one of the caretakers who, again, you know, loves this uh, boy uh, who's severely handicapped, uh, dropped, dropped him, uh, but so hard that uh, his retina detached in his right eye. So now, on top of everything else, he's blind out of his right eye. And so I just wanted to go be with those guys, just because I, I love them, and I just, Lord, however you want to use me. But here's what was so cool. So I slept over at their house, and... and uh, I woke up in the morning, and I was still uh, kind of in bed, but the whole family was up. They had to get uh, some of the kids to school. And the mom was, uh, the only way this little guy can eat, he's actually, he's he's almost seven now, so he's getting quite big. But the only way he can eat is through a a tube uh, in his stomach, a feeding tube. And and so I'm laying in bed, and, you know, I'm hearing all the ruckus of the house, and then uh, um, I hear the mom, and she's feeding her son. And this is all I hear. I just hear her just giggling, the mother, and just talking with her son. And he, one of the things he does, he, because he's in pain often, he, he throws his head on the floor against the table or whatever, and he was doing that. And, and she's just like, no, no, no. No, 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 don't do that. And then he would kind of, uh, she would touch his face, and, and he would squeal with delight, and then she would giggle, and... And so here I am, and I'm, I'm listening, and uh, it's nothing but, the, you know, not only is it, you know, we love our kids, right? But 
it's not just a mother's love for a child. It's this incredible power of the Spirit that was just full of joy, full of pleasure, delight in her son, full of just compassion, patience. And all I heard that morning when I woke up was just the love of Christ just poured out. Just go, thank you, Lord. That's who I want to be. I want my life now to live this out in you. And you understand, she's exhausted. I mean, she, day in, day out. And for those of you who have children who may have handicap, like you know, you know, you love your kid, but it's a task. They need a lot of care. And she's wiped out most of the time. And yet, just delight in her child. And I went, yes, that's the life of Christ through the power of the Spirit. And that's what he says dwells within us. We have Christ in us. The other thing that I think about is that we, we keep our mind focused on carrying out the ministry and the mission of Christ. You know, scriptures say, listen, I want you to go and make disciples. I want you to go into all the earth. I want you to bring the good news. I want you to, to, to tell people. I want you to, to move on out because you've been freed in Jesus. And now I want you to go and live out only in the power of the Spirit because you can't do it any other way. And bring people to know me and then, and then grow them up in who I am. Make disciples. So our mind is set on these things. Lord, your mission, your desire to, to go and make disciples. I want to I do the same. And so, Father, show me and teach me and lead me in that. He says, I came not to, to be served, but to serve and to give my life a ransom for many. And so we go, Father, help me to be a servant. That your life, your, your, your character as God is one who serves. And I want to live that out in you, Jesus. That we would, thirdly, that we keep our mind focused on knowing and believing and understanding our Lord. In, uh, in Isaiah 43, it says this, You are my witnesses, declares the Lord. And my servant whom I have chosen, so that you may know and believe me, and that you may understand that I am he. Before me no God was formed, nor will there be one after me. And so our minds, as we live in the Spirit, and we fix our minds on the spiritual nature, we go, Father, I want to know you more. I want to know your character. I want to know... Who you are, help me to understand you as much as you allow me to understand of you, which is unattainable, I know. But give me insight into who you are through, again, your spirit. And so we, through the word as we understand God and as we sit and meditate and pray to the Lord, let the spirit minister to us. That we would, fourthly, that we'd keep our minds on being conformed to the image of Christ. Listen to what 2 Corinthians 3.18 says. And, and you need to understand again, this is who we are in Jesus Christ, which I think we just forget sometimes. 
about our character. This is what it says. And we who with unveiled faces, you and me, followers of Jesus, and we with unveiled faces, we all reflect the Lord's glory. Now watch what happens here. And we are being transformed into His likeness with ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. You and I, as followers of Jesus Christ, every day as in, in obedience to Christ and as we know Him and as we search Him out, we are being transformed, changed, changed from within into the character of Christ. Do you know that of yourself? And so when we go out into this world, it's not of boasting and saying, look at me and look how Christ-like I am. It's just a deep understanding of God is doing a work in me. I know it. And so now I want to live it out because I know His Spirit is living that out. Do you understand? Remember Galatians 2.20? It's I who no longer live, but Christ in me. The way He lives in me is through the Holy Spirit. And He is the one who is ministering through me and teaching me and changing me and making me more like Him. This is life in the Spirit. Again, it's not just about I'm forgiven. It's now that I'm forgiven, I, I just rejoice in who the Lord is. And may my life reflect Him in all that He does. There's an extreme makeover that goes on in our lives. And you know, unlike the TV show where they come and they change the house and they build up a new house and brand new inside, everything is brand new. You know, that team, after they do that, they take off. And they leave you with a new house, not the Holy Spirit. John 14, and He will be with you forever. I leave the Counselor, the Comforter, the Paraclete, the one who comes by your side and now teaches you how to live. And so I think, how do we live this out? I think it's yielding to the Spirit in our lives, daily. Asking God to, to show us again how to live. You know, there's two ways we can live. And, and one way, you know, as, as Paul was talking in Romans 7, was trying to live in your own strength. And it's, it's the idea of a boat. John Ortberg talks about this. But you can either try to row a boat. And you know what? You can row, and you can maybe get really good at rowing your boat. You may become very proficient, and you're getting to places quicker, and you're developing some strength, and you're rowing your boat. But after a while your muscles give out, and you're dead in the water. Or you can live with a sailboat and raise up your sail and let the wind come and fill that up and take you where you need to go. Scripture uses the word pneuma for spirit. That's also the same word for wind. Let the wind come in. Let it take you. Stop trying to live it out in our own strength. Let me just tell you a couple of stories about what I think it looks like to just live in the Spirit and to reflect the image of God. We, uh, I, I got to spend some time with my mom and dad in the Bay Area, as I, also as I visited my friends. And, and uh, I went in. Uh, we, <laughs> so we're in Menlo Park, California. There's this restaurant there. And the, the owners of uh, this restaurant, they are Turkish Muslims, and they own an Italian restaurant. <laughs> Go figure. And so here's what was really cool. We walk in, 
to this restaurant, my mom and dad and I, uh, this Italian restaurant, and as soon as we walk in the door, and I, I kid you not, literally the whole staff, the owners, the waiters, the cooks, everybody stops. They come out from where they are, and they embrace my mother and father in hugs. And they call my mother and father now Mama and Papa. These Turkish Muslims. And so we're sitting there, we're having dinner, and I'm just watching my mom and dad love these people. They don't know Christ yet, but they're seeing them all the time through my mom and dad. And, and they come in, and, and this is what the owner says. He comes up, and uh, he, we're sitting down, and he looks at my mother, and he's like, Mama, I really want you and Papa to come to our home. And I want you to have dinner, and, and I want you to meet all of my children and my family. And the response is, oh, we would be delighted. We would be delighted. And he says to me, he says, I want you to know something in his broken English. I love your mama and papa. They don't know, they don't know how much trouble they're in. They are going to be in Christ, <laughs> you know? These Turkish Muslims. Do you understand? And so there I sit with my mom and dad, and they um, just living out the life of Christ. Because that's what they do. Because they know who they are in Jesus. And they know that God has this incredible heart for this world. We went uh, in that, that was a dinner that afternoon in San Francisco. We have a tradition of, uh, we went to San Francisco to the pier. And we've always had a family tradition of, uh, of getting crabs and, and sourdough bread and sitting on the dock. And as we were walking to grab a little spot, there, there was also a little pizzeria right there, and, and they had some nice pizza. And I go, hey, I'm gonna, I'll get this one big slice of pizza, and we'll have that and everything. And uh, as I'm standing there, and this is truly how I think the, the spirit works, is that you just let the spirit speak to you, and then you respond. And it's been in my life, and as I, you know, again, as I watch the way my mom and dad live, as they've shown me, and, and I've seen it, and as God has ministered to me. But as I'm standing there, this little woman, couldn't be any taller than five feet, a little Chinese woman, she comes kind of like right next to me, you know, really against me. And I look at her, you know, and her, she's just kind of this broken old woman. She was collecting uh, cans, pop cans. And it uh, doesn't always happen, but the Spirit said, Rod, buy her a piece of pizza. And so I asked her, I said, would you like a piece of pizza? And she just lit up, yes. And so we got her a piece of pizza. And then my dad's sitting around the corner, uh, just on the wharf, and I bring our, our pizza over and sit down. And about 15 minutes later, she comes over to our table and... Um, we have the big sourdough bread and the crab, and she's looking at the sourdough bread, the loaf. And I'm like, no, you can't have the sourdough <laughs> bread. <laughs> now, we, you know, we tore half of that. I mean, it was like communion, you know. And uh, we, we gave her a big chunk of this uh, sourdough bread. And, and this was, again, this is what was cool. And I, and I had, I had uh, just, again, just, I kind of gave her a hug when I was getting her the pizza, 
But then my dad, and it's so cool to see, you know, who my dad's becoming in the Lord at 75 years. And so she, I mean, she, her hands are all, I think, arthritic and, and just really, you know, she's a homeless person. So we give her the bread, and then, you know, she's saying thank you. And my dad grabs her hand, and he starts to kiss it. That's what, <laughs> it's so cool, you know? That's just God living it out. It's only through the power of the Spirit. And that's who God has made us to be. To each other, to this broken world. We're called to live because we're alive in Christ. And there's a world that's dying out there. And we can't forget who we are in Him. We've been freed we truly have the power of the resurrection dwelling within us to live out life. So we let the Spirit take us. And we be attentive and we yield to Him. Stop trying to have our own agenda, but we yield to the Spirit. May we live, truly live in Him.